Hello and welcome to the Inquisitive Players Podcast. Are you down with IPP? Yeah, you know me. Nate here, your host for the show. We're doing a little bit of experimental stuff. Uh, trying to do a little bit of a video game podcast. Check it out. Would love to know what people think. You can find me if you want to give feedback at Godly Fatality uh, on PSN. With me is my co-host. I am Josh. You can find me on Twitch, Kick, uh, YouTube as Inquisitive Rain. Uh, my PSN is also Inquisitive Rain. So look me up and I'll, I'll be playing games and doing what I do there. I feel like there's not enough podcasts that are just actual video game players, like people talking about video games who actually play video games. It's true. A lot of podcasts are people who review video games like a job. So we're going to try and just talk about it from a gamer's perspective. You know, a little 45 to an hour every week just to talk about video games. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to add us on PSN, you can add us. We just want to know what games you're playing, what games you're looking forward to, and what kind of news you're discussing. But without further ado, let's talk a little bit about what games we're playing this week. Uh, and then we'll get into some sort of main topic, something that, that's really, you know, grinding your gears about the video game industry as a gamer, not as someone who works in the industry. But first, Josh, let's hear, what do you, what, what have you been playing this week? I got to tell you, I have uh, been trying to get away from all of the, the big releases because it's almost an implosion when trying to keep up with all that stuff. Although the things that have been uh, released have been very good. I've been throwing it back to uh, the old uh, Rareware days and uh, been playing a uh, little Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3. Having a blast, reliving my childhood and opening up and realizing how good those freaking games were. It's been a blast. been doing that for about a, about a week now. What about you? What are you playing now? I mean, I just want to make sure you're not playing that god-awful Donkey Kong 64 game because, my <laughs> God, I remember getting that game... <laughs> And it was staggering how terrible that game was. Like, I don't know uh, if they thought about what they wanted to do with it, but it was just boring. You're you're right. It uh, it was boring. There was uh, there was too much back and forth. But no, that was not that is not on my list. I was uh, keeping it to the country series, and then um, I actually just finished the third one. So I'm gonna jump into. uh, Isn't the third one a Game Boy only game? Dixie no, that was country. they remade all three of them for the Game Boys. So they renamed them like Donkey Kong Land. But um, the first three, the country games are all on uh, SNES. So I've been doing it through Switch, and I'm gonna jump to Donkey Kong Country Returns, which is not made by Rare, but it's like they're returning to that kind of style with that game. And then I'm gonna jump to Tropical Freeze, which, which was a lovely game when I when I beat it uh, four or five years ago. So. I've heard Tropical Freeze is really good. I think I rented it at some point and played it a little bit, but uh, I don't know. Something about 2D platformers, it takes a lot for me to really get into them. I'm hoping maybe that changes with the new Super Mario Brothers Wonder game, mm. um, just because I'd really like to get into a 2D platformer because it's been so long. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know what it is about. Um, maybe it's because like, the challenge is either, holy crap, I'm pulling out my hair hard, or it's too easy, and there's no in-between because... Right. For some reason, Nintendo likes to put in these modes that just make the game cake, like funky mode where it's just like enemies don't do any damage. There's no like in-between difficulty. And I think that I think difficulty is in video games is something we can really talk about uh, at some point because it's it's become very um, controversial, which is never something I thought it would be like it's it's controversial to say, hey, you know. This game's too hard. I wouldn't mind an easier way to play this or an easier way to enjoy this, but that's a tangent. That's me getting off topic. But uh, no, that's interesting. I haven't played those games since I was a kid. 
Um, I think I only owned Donkey Kong Country 1, and I never beat that game. Um, I don't even think... I, I think I had a friend who got to the end of it and saw the ending, mm. which is a bunch of bananas. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and him jumping around with a bunch of bananas, which... Do you remember when endings of video games were just a short cutscene and not like this grand thing with like, oh, yeah. credits that last long as a Marvel movie? Oh, yeah. Well, so that's uh, funny you mentioned that because they, they literally it started to shift in terms of the country games with the third one. So the third one level concepts, about half of them were good, but it was it was too easy. Like there were, you know, enemies were sparse. You knew where you had to go. And there was no like searching within the levels to try to find stuff. And then when it ended, it was literally like a 10 minute credit sequence where they show you each of the individual bad guys. They show you each of the individual like heroes and it, like you couldn't skip it. And I'm like, why? Why am I sitting here doing this? And then, of course, you know, back then in the day when uh, they had the end game content, you had to go through the credits and then figure out why you weren't at a hundred percent because they didn't tell you what the hell you were missing to get to a hundred percent. So spent about 10 minutes figuring out or remembering, let's say what I needed to do. So I got a couple more levels in, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I would, I would go back and do one and two though, if I were you or anybody out there, just cause between the music and, uh, just the, the gameplay mechanics, like it was, uh, it's so clean. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's just, you know, good nostalgia, right? Like Nintendo made some really good games when you were a kid. And it's funny now as an adult, you can actually go back and beat them. Mm-hmm. When you were a kid, you just died, you know, four levels in. And you're like, all right, well, I'll just keep playing the same four levels over and over again. And it's, I think that's why people like roguelikes today mm. is because all the games they grew up as kids, they were just dying on the first four levels over and over again. And they just were like, okay, well, this is just what this game is. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's funny to see how, how that's changed. But, you know, speaking of Endgame, I've been playing like a lot of stuff, actually. A little background on me is I spend too much money on video games. <laughs> it is like the one thing I spend too much money on. I, you know, I'll, sp- I'll be cheap with my food. I'll go to the McDonald's and get the dollar menu. But then I'll buy like, you know, the $300 version of Final Fantasy, which that's another story entirely. <laughs> wow. What a fucking bumble by Square Enix. I can't get over how bad that collector's edition thing was handled. Did you wait? Um, did you get it though? You said you might get it. it uh, did I, so we, we talked before this yeah. off camera. Yeah. So I got an email yesterday that said it's coming tomorrow <laughs> uh, at six, uh, at three or four o'clock at night. Yeah. And by then I'd already bought the game digitally. Oh, no. So I've now sent Square Enix an email to tell them I want to return my collector's edition. I've just given up on owning this statue. It's oh, just no. something I've given up on. I'm over it. You know, I have way too many things I have to spend money on. I have tuxedos and and bachelor parties and stuff. So I've just decided right. that the $400 that I was going to spend on Final Fantasy with how much they pissed me off, they, they don't they don't get that anymore. That's going to my tuxedo for my wedding. <laughs> so that's like the one thing I you know I, I'm pretty mad about. But um, no, I've been playing a lot. Um, the last two weeks before this week, I was playing tons of Diablo. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished the campaign, did a lot of endgame content. I think that that game is super fun for like 40 hours. Right. And everything after 40 hours is the most grindy bullshit you ever played in your entire life, basically. Meaning, you know, it's a lot of, hey, go do this thing that opens up every 20 minutes and get some right. gear. Oh, go do this thing that opens up every hour and kill this big boss and get some gear. Or go do nightmare dungeons with your friends, which are just dungeons you've already done, right? But with better gear and harder enemies, and it's like I'm sure this is fun with your friends, and I think it was fun with my friends. I spent 50 hours in that game. I'm like, oh, 55, 
you know, because after you hit 50, which is the main cap for the regular leveling, it slows way down and becomes like a completely different thing entirely. Mm. And I think that when I heard that the the content for the seasonal is basically you have to create a seasonal character to do all the seasonal content. Basically, you create a new character every season to do the new mechanics they add each season. I was like, okay, well, why am I even playing this barbarian when next season I'm going to have to make another barbarian yeah. or a different class in order to play the season? So that's when I stopped and moved on to other things. Ugh. But um, that game's still one of my favorite games this year for sure. I, okay. I, I think it's a blast. But it is weird yeah. how that's like a norm. I was talking to a friend who plays ARPG games like normally. And he's like, no, that's a normal thing. Like we tend to just deal with it. And I'm like, why the do you yeah. deal with that? That, that sounds so- miserable. That sounds like uh, that sounds like their answer to like, you know, a battle pass or something. You know? Oh no, it has like... a battle pass too. Don't don't get it twisted. There's a battle pass coming in July. Oh great. Okay. Well then, yeah, I am in the. You know, this doesn't change my mind about Blizzard in any sense of the word. I am not on Blizzard's side right now on anything. But I mean, Blizzard and Activision are pretty corrupt. Like I, I think that if there's oh, yeah. anything we've learned from the ABK microsoft acquisition is that they're a pretty bad company and and it's funny because you you talk about how blizzard sucks but my god activision is worse because call of duty used to be you know growing up in high school and college like it was like my favorite franchise just because every year it was this new thing you play with your friends and it's just gotten progressively worse and worse and worse right and then yesterday the day before we record this podcast record every friday by the way they announced that they're closing down warzone one really i i mean I spent over 600 hours in Warzone 1 during the pandemic. That's all I did was sit around and play Warzone with my friends because I was unemployed. I had nowhere to go. And now that game and all the money I spent on it from right. my, you know, because we're unemployed, right? You're getting all these unemployment checks. You're spending money in Call of Duty. All the stuff I bought, the skins, the guns, all that stuff, just gone. And, and, and I think that's crazy to me that, that they can just take away something like that at any point yeah. that you spend that much money on without giving you any refund. Say no any tra- care of how much money you spent. Right. No, there's no transfer or anything because they they almost kind of forced everybody to go to Warzone too, but they didn't. What you're saying is no. they didn't really give. They resold uh-huh. skins that I had bought in Warzone One in uh-huh. Warzone Two for full price oh, that okay. I already had, and I didn't get like a discount because I already had them in Warzone One. No, I had to rebuy them, and that's <laughs> when I decided I was like, you know what? Yeah. Call of Duty Warzone, you can fuck off. Yeah, and yeah. if I'm, I'm gonna play any of these battle royale games that are so popular that people play, you know, for hours and hours and hours, obviously, right. I'll I'll play Fortnite, and even then, I don't really want to play Fortnite. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm just like, I'm looking for a new game to really grab me, mm. and that's where my next segue is. Is yep. I've been playing almost 15 hours of X Define over the last three days. Okay, you got to tell me and, about this. And, because... and Josh, you're asking yourself, yeah. what is X Define? That's that's right. That's exactly <laughs> where I was going because I'm like, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to showcase this. Blow me away. So X Define is uh, Mark Rubin. He was a former developer on Call of Duty back when we were in college, mm. and so those games were a pinnacle of, you know, growing up, um, you know, hanging out with your buddies, playing games. And Call of Duty's gone so far from that because now Call of Duty has become more about your nephew who's like 14, 15, or, or 13 even, getting into video games and, and it, the game being accessible and fun for him to play because they added a system called skill-based matchmaking. Right. And what skill-based matchmaking is, for anyone who's not like super in tune what it is, is basically whenever you play a multiplayer game, 
you are then put in with people who are your same skill level as you. You're never put in with people better than you, and you're never put in with people who are worse than you. It's always the same. So that makes every single match you get in the most sweaty thing ever. Every time you're just having to go balls out, you're never being able just to casually play Call of Duty and have fun with your friends. It's, it's always people who are trying the, their hardest. And it's just not very fun to be paired with people like that because sometimes, you know, it's okay to get your ass kicked. And it's okay to kick people's ass. Like, that's video games. That's what we grew up playing. Mm. Anytime I played a multiplayer game, I didn't always win. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not that good. And so what they wanted to do was create a shooter game without skill-based matchmaking and without some of the tropes that have been added to Call of Duty over the year to make it more accessible or to, not even accessible, but make it less hardcore. And so this game has all the movement abilities that people, you know, the jumping and the sliding, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it's not like, you know, game breaking when people are sliding and jumping around. And it, it's very fast paced like Call of Duty. The time to kill is kind of the same as the old Call of Duties. And it just feels so good because I hate Modern Warfare 2. I hate it. I think it's the most unfun shooter in the world. Everything about it is terrible besides the actual shooting. The map design is awful. There's not enough maps. The perk design is bad. The kill streaks ruin it. And this game has no kill streaks, which I always felt, you know, after COD 4, I was like, okay, this is getting a little excessive. Mm. This game just has no kill streaks at all. It's literally just your gun and a grenade. And every once in a while, you get these abilities, like Overwatch type abilities, but generally they're not broken. They're not something that's just like you're murdering everyone on the enemy team. It's mm. like, okay, this guy gets a shield that he can put down to block damage and it has like a little bit of, it like has low health. Right. And then you have ultimates. And I think the most broken ultimate right now is probably there's a guy who was a flamethrower that lasts like all of maybe 10 seconds. Oh, wow. And it's pretty, it's pretty good. But each class is, is very varied and there's different things. There, there's good things about them and, and bad things about them, different reasons to use them. And it just, you know, as someone who's a pretty lapsed Call of Duty player, right. I just hope that this game, when it goes free to play here at the end of summer, that it, that it gets an audience and people play it because Call of Duty needs competition. I mean, you bring um, up a good point, though. So I, I'm just trying trying to think because, like, when, well, growing up, I was never one to jump into like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go play online and play live people. Like, I almost turned the other cheek to that, where I was like, well, if a game doesn't have a campaign mode or like a cooperative thing where somebody comes over and like plays with me, like I won't even touch. I won't touch the mode just because I, between you know, cheaters and however you know, because. 12-year-olds love to win things, so they're going to win at whatever cost. So with X Defiant, are you enjoying it because you can play other people online, but it's not I'm like... I'm enjoying it because I think that there's a actual skill to playing it. Okay. Like, I'm not always killing, just going crazy. I'm always, like, getting my ass kicked, and, you know, it's just... I think multiplayer games, the fun of a multiplayer shooter is shooting the shit with your friends... And shooting people online, having a good time, playing a shooter game. I don't think it yep. always has to be esports. Right. I think that every single game wants to be esports nowadays, and I just don't find that fun. Yeah, I mean that being said, I do love to watch esports, so that's I'm, I'm on both sides <laughs> of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I just think that I really hope that this game finds an audience. I really hope people uh, really get into it. If, if you know, if you're listening to this when this goes up, obviously the beta is over, but. If you played the bait, I'd love to hear why you believe it's better or worse than Call of Duty. Um, and so I'd love to know what people think. But 
right now, uh, I think we're going on the last day of the beta where we're recording this. I, I played last night for a couple hours. Even though I had Final Fantasy 16, yep. I played for four hours last night with some friends. And besides the fact that the party system was broken like it always is <laughs> in shooters online nowadays, yep. we had a blast. It was so much fun. And I really think that that game has a potential because they, it seems like they're actually going to support it. You know, Call of Duty gets like one 6v6 map a month. Which isn't enough, right, you know, considering right. the game launched with like eight maps total. And so this game is very focused on giving you a lot of maps to play. And there's also no team deathmatch. So there's not going to be people who are literally just playing at camp and get kills for killstreak. What kind of modes are there then if there's no team deathmatch? So just there's King escort. Okay. There's an escort mode, um, which is, you know, that's a very Overwatch-like mode. You're escorting a payload from right. one end of the map to the other. Um, there's a... Typical domination mode where, you know, there's three points, capture the three points. Yep. There's a hard point mode, which is basically like there's a point you have to capture uh, on the map. There's only one point and everyone's fighting over it. Uh, there's a kill confirm type mode, which I didn't really find that fun. I tried that last night and I like it. And then there's one more mode that's a little bigger and it's uh, there's two points to capture. And every time you capture the two points, you move further into the map and capture two more points. Kind of like um, if you played Rush in Battlefield, it's kind of like that. Uh, okay, I think uh, the Star Wars Battlefronts they had they have that mode too, where you you um, yes exactly you take the zones and then you got to fight to take further zones. Yeah, okay, okay. X Defiant, I hope it comes out and it's awesome. I have one more game. I know I'm talking a lot. I've just been playing a lot of video games. No, you're good. You're uh, good. and it's the most important video game of the week. Ooh. And that's Final Fantasy 16. It's a hot topic. PlayStation 5 exclusive. <laughs> one of the biggest video games coming out this year. I mean, I'm about four or five hours in, so I'm not super far. If you do not like cutscenes, do not play this game. I will yeah. say that. If you are not a fan of cutscenes, you will not like this game. I'm going to But bed. as someone who yeah. enjoys The Last of Us, God of War, those games that are very cutscene heavy... What a video game. Like, what a video game. It's got Devil May Cry, God of War type combat with Game of Thrones story. First and foremost, <laughs> I, I did, I played the demo. I love God of War. I think those cinematics are very purposeful and they're very atmospheric and, you know, they move the story forward. Um, I will also say that I have not been a uh, big I don't want to say support, that's the wrong word, but I have not uh, played many, many Final Fantasy games. I did play this the first uh, 7 remake when that came out, and that was wonderfully done. But playing through that demo, and I don't know if it was the time of day that I was playing it, or just kind of my mental state, but I was, I was checked out about two minutes into it. I... Uh, for a two 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 hour fifteen minute demo, it felt like I played for about eighteen minutes, which is fine if the cutscenes, you know, revealed or set the stage for what was going on. And I feel like Square Enix does this with a lot of their games. They uh, they like to throw stuff out there and essentially confuse the player and not let them get a footing as to what the hell's going on with what they're playing, which this demo did for me. Uh, two different timelines, you know, different time periods. <laughs> you learn the controls. You're then thrown into a big-ass 
I'm going to call it kaiju battle. It's not a kaiju battle, but, you know, it's a, it's a Final Fantasy thing where the phoenix and I don't even know what technically that animal's called, the, the main fire demon. Ifrit. One that, yeah, Ifrit. Um, there was a battle there. Didn't know what was going on there. Just pushing just pushing a single button input was like, this is cool graphically. It's kind of dumb otherwise. And then also in typical Square Enix fashion, they finished the demo. And I don't, I mean, it could be a spoiler. I don't think it's a spoiler because it was in the demo. But like, <laughs> you kill your own brother. And then it's like, oh, okay. There's... Oh, that's a spoiler. Well, yeah, okay. Well, that's I... a huge spoiler. <laughs> I guess it's a spoiler. I don't know. If it's in the demo, I, I can't imagine that it's... Uh, again, I haven't played uh, the full version, so I don't know how early that occurs, but... Um, that's that's the first two hours of the game. It's okay, it is actually the first hour. Either way, it ends on that, and I'm like, oh, cool. So 15 out of the 18 minutes played are at the end, and great. Now I know what the story is going to be about. Maybe because I don't know ninety percent of the story other than you kill your brother. It's very Game of Thronesy. Yeah. Uh, there's even a part where you know they're having dinner and you kind of get the undertones that someone's coming to kill the king, right? In that demo, and mm. so that continues after the demo because I'm I'm about two or three hours after the demo now. Okay. And it's a slow burn. It's a Final Fantasy game. Right. Um, I think that it's one of those games where if you don't like cutscene heavy video games, you will not like it. And right. I think that that is just that is just how story games have become nowadays. You know, you're not going to get a heavy story-based video game without cutscenes because it's very hard to tell a good story through gameplay right. when gameplay systems have become more and more and more complicated as the years have gone on. Mm-hmm. That said, I think that this game is nailing the action combat part that Final Fantasy's never done, right? I think this game's combat is just as good as God of War's in a lot of ways. And I think that the character of Clive and mm. focusing on him is super interesting because he's basically Jon Snow yeah. in a lot of ways. It's yeah. pretty, it's kind of, and I understand like maybe people don't like that, but Game of Thrones was very popular into that final season for a reason. And this game is really hitting those notes within its story yeah the parts that people don't like seem to be the cut the side quests which are very mmo like side quests which is how they're doing extra story these side quests will be you know little bits of a story explanation or like just some sort of explanation of who these people are or you know their place in the world and stuff and i think that it's kind of an interesting way to explore a world and like show you who characters are without outright being like oh this is this is the blacksmith he's a guy who was a slave and now he's not a slave and so yeah. now he works here and so like the, it's an interesting way to do it it's not for everybody right i think the cutscenes and the way that it tells its story is where this game will be controversial that kind of tracks i i've been seeing you know over the last two days because the review embargo and all that crap is usually two or three days before the release that was the one sticking point was like most of the articles and people writing them were like the story's muddled it's confusing it's not a it's not like untypical of a square game but like the story's confusing everything else is great if you're gonna throw 80 percent cinematic at me and the story is going to be confusing as hell then you know not sure but i want think to think about how confusing there, game of thrones was for those first two seasons oh no i you hated season one on. yeah season one was like the worst thing ever it was so boring um yeah until ned dies 
Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. And yeah. so it's a slow burn, right? Like it's going to take, you know, 15, 20 hours before the story really gets explained well. I just think that it's really interesting for them to have done a Final Fantasy game that is basically a single player action game. Yeah. And I think that it's really good in but you have to like cutscenes. Right. And if you don't like cutscenes, it's just not for you. And I think that that's okay, but for the people who like cutscenes, yeah. I mean, this is probably going to be one of the most amazing things ever played because some of those cutscenes and the stuff that's happening in them, even the part that you played, like I I don't think I've ever seen a video game have that kind of scale where like that fight where Phoenix is so crazy and Phoenix and Ifrit, like the last video game that had that kind of scale was probably God of War 3. Yeah. And I don't even think that God of War 3 had this kind of scale. I mean, I agree with you to the to the fact that like I'm glad that Square is moving Final Fantasy in this direction. Like they're still keeping their Square essence of having, you know, long cinematics and things of that nature, but they're clearly now to a point where they can scale up and actually probably keep everybody engaged whereas if they tried to do the same thing on whatever console 15 years ago that everybody would have been like this is a stinking pile of shit kind of a thing so i am happy that they're doing yeah. that but yeah we'll see i mean i i still might check it out but i it's just you know the the length too i'm like okay well this is this has got like xenoblade chronicles type of energy for me in terms of uh time playing and i'm like i don't know if i have 120 hours that i can play right now but <laughs> You know. Have you played Xenoblade Chronicles 3, by the way? I just no, wondered, have I have not. That game? No, not the third one. That game reminds me a lot of this, where Xenoblade Chronicles 3, there is a part of that game that is a 50-minute cutscene. No oh, yeah. Joke. Oh, yeah. And this game has that kind of energy where the world is kind of bland and, and there's not not ton going on except for the combat. But, man, the cutscene and the story they're telling and the characters they're you know you're learning about are just so interesting you want to keep playing. And I really feel like... The same way I felt about Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I feel about this game so far. Okay. And so obviously we'll see if that holds up. You know, next week I'll be way more into it. I've only played a couple hours because I just got it last night and I ended up playing X Defiant for as long as I did. I'm very interested to see where it goes because I do love Final Fantasy. Um, yep. And I, I just hope it, it's really good. And I hope it continues to be really good. And I heard it just gets better. But I, I'm going to hold off on the conversation because the conversation I wanted to have with you mm. was about open world games and what you want out of an open world game. But yep. I think I'm going to hold off on that till next time. And that's sure. so we can string people along to want to listen to <laughs> us again. I want to talk to you because I think you have a really interesting opinion. Okay. On the Nintendo direct that happened this week. <laughs> yeah. There was a big Nintendo yeah. direct. Right. And I think you have like the hottest take of them all because Ouch. everyone is praising how great this Nintendo Direct was, how amazing all these games <laughs> looked. And Josh, you don't have the same opinion, so yeah. tell the, the the listeners, you know, what did you think of 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 Wednesday's Nintendo Direct? I um I thought it was subpar, uh, uh, average, I guess, but maybe below average. I don't know. I to me there was no um showstopper like if if this was um your e3-esque direct to showcase what's coming in the next 18 months uh you really didn't blow me out of the water in terms of oh i'm gonna buy this game and this game and this game in the next you know six to ten months i think a lot of people would disagree with you when it comes to super mario wonder yeah so that yeah so there were four things that um really stuck out to me 
I'm actually confused about Super Mario Wonder. Um, I did watch the you know the trailer, the two minute trailer, probably about twenty times um, after we talked a couple of days ago off camera about or off mic on on the topic, and I'm like I'm kind of turning around to it, but I'm still still kind of confused. Um, you know, coming off of the the Mario movie. I was like, okay, you know, th- th- this is a different avenue for Mario, but they're kind of keeping the same kind of animation and feel, uh, just making it more cinematic. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's very, uh, it was very cartoony for me. And uh, like, as we had spoken about, very uh, psychedelic. Uh, that's the PG term for it, right? Uh, very, very psychedelic, which is cool. I just, I just, I don't get a sense of where they're going and if this was more like a, oh hey we're gonna take a hard left turn pivot on what we're gonna showcase for mario moving forward i know that the gameplay is gonna be great it's a freaking mario game i'm gonna play it again it's a mario game but i just i'm not sure about if if this is actually the right direction and how much um once it's out and about if the general public is going to, you know, jump on the train. Like right now, everybody seems seems to be super on the train, which is great. Good for them. You know, Nintendo clearly hit it out of the park, if that's the case. But once it's out and people are playing it, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm still, I'm holding, holding some cards to my chest with that one. So I think it's, here's the thing. I think that the new Super Mario Brothers games are the most boring Mm-hmm. vapid 2d platformers on the planet the oh, yeah. only reason people have bought them is because mario is in them when i look at super mario wonder i see a game with some actual personality mm. and i think that that's something that a 2d mario game has been missing forever i mean since like the super mario world and so i feel like this is going to be the one that's actually going to have some actual personality and some actual gameplay that you know does cool things like the 3D Mario games do. The 3D Mario games constantly are doing more and more stuff and doing more interesting stuff um, to keep you playing, and and it's always changing, right? Super Mario Galaxy 2, I don't think there is a level in that game Mm. that is the same as another level. They're all different, and it's always different. You're talking pinnacle there. I'm hoping they can do that with 2D. Do you um, couple together like the handheld Super Mario 3D World because like to me that was fantastic on the 3ds. Those are 3D games to me, even if they have like a little more 2D going on in them. Okay. I think those are those are still 3D games. This so you... there, I believe in my personal opinion, there hasn't been a 2D Mario game since New Super Mario Bros. for Wii U. Yeah, it's the one. That's they... my personal opinion. That was the one where they what introduced Nabbit and like the you don't have to play this game to beat it thing, right? Or yes. They... Okay. Okay. And I think this is a decent direct for what it was, right? Because we're seeing the end of the Switch. Like, I would oh, imagine sure. the next time we see Nintendo do something like this, it will be to announce a Switch 2. I mean, right. I mean, the, the, everything in that Direct pretty much told me that they're like, it's the end cycle. Like, if they were going to bring out, uh, you know, a ball buster or a huge, huge thing, they would have announced Metroid Prime 4. You know, like, they would have showcased something. But clearly, that's going to be a big game on the next console. Like, there's no way that that's not going to be on the next console now. So I was expecting something like that. Like, if you're telling me that one of your big announcements is that you're remaking a freaking 3DS Luigi's Mansion game, like, why am I wa- why am I watching this direct? Like that, 
like cool now everybody can play it even though you could have played it freaking eight years ago like oh awesome peach gets her own game it's gonna be like an actor's paradise 2d 3d uh don't have to play it to beat it but peach is in it and we'll show you 20 seconds of nothing oh great that's awesome to, to me that's it brought that whole direct down like all those things now the mario rpg thing friggin that was incredible i i got out of my chair for that one it was like holy crap i thought it was like a sequel or something like that but they like straight up just remade it and square actually helped remake it so i'm like mm -hmm. okay this is this is gonna be great so i'm that's my like number one looking forward to it and it comes out after mario wonder literally three weeks after that super mario brothers game comes out so they're like they're back to back which is which is kind of nuts but again Everything's out before December, so they're clearly setting up for, you know, some fall announcement of like, hey, this new console is going to be coming out or something. Whether that's next year or not, I have no idea, but they're clearly setting up for something with that. I think putting that Super Mario Wonder game the same day as Spider-Man 2 is absolutely bonkers wild. Wait, is it the same day? It's the same day. October the 20th? 20th? Wow, I didn't. I did not realize that. Wow. I think that is insane. I mean, I'll, I'll be buying both because oh, yeah. I definitely want to see what the new Mario game has in it. I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what a 2D Super Mario Brothers game is with newer gameplay and newer, you know, gameplay conventions. Mm. The problem is, is if it's just the same bullshit, then I can guarantee you I'll be playing only Spider-Man. You know, I won't right. the thing at all. Like, right. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And Mario RPG is interesting. But at the same time, like, I'm talking about Final Fantasy 16, and I'm talking about how I like that it's different. It's not turn-based. They're trying something different. Mm. I don't really like playing, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Yep. I don't really like playing traditional turn-based RPGs. Persona 5 does, like, a, a system where yeah. if someone's weakness weak, weak to lightning, right? You use lightning against them, and then it stuns them, and they have right. big attack. Like, there's, there's like, a, it's almost like a gimmick. Like, yep. a gimmick to make the gameplay more interesting. Yep. And I think that every turn-based game should have that. My favorite um, game in that genre for a long time was uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Love that hmm. game. I love that game. And that one is turn-based. You know, you move your spots, pick your attack, go heal. That was always the game for me. And I never owned it myself. I borrowed it from friends, played it the hell out of it. So that was kind of, that's like, kind of my background in terms of like that's like oh i love that kind of the game so when um final fantasy 7 the re the first one the remake came out there i was like oh well they're changing like the formula up because you know it used to be turn-based and now it's like you know within your zone it's all live gameplay and attacks and stuff um and there uh, so when i played that game i actually did kind of switch between because i think that one they allowed you to switch between the turn-based or the live right didn't they give the option in that i think they did yeah so uh, remake has like a ability to do turn-based and yeah um and pause it so for both, but i mean right for a while i did yeah. do the turn-based i was like i'm going like i want to play it with the turn-based but you know after about maybe 45 minutes of doing it i was like okay well the speeds it's too slow I need mm -hmm. to be able to like play the game. So I did flip it to the live, like actually back and forth kind of gameplay. And it is, it is better. I will, I will say that I am in the, in the side of like, I will take that over turn base, but 
there's there's something to be said and i don't know what it is right now maybe it's just like the tactical you know mentality of like playing a fire emblem game and being like okay i have these units gonna go there or even advance wars like something like that like it, it has its place um but i don't know if if i would pick that meaning the turn base for like sword play i don't know and i'd love to know from someone how someone can sit and play like a game where it's like it's really slow like old final fantasy is or, you know where yeah. it's just turn based like that and that's where i think that unless super mario rpg systems have been updated mm. and it's a little more interesting yeah i just don't see that being fun it's old it's it's basically an old game yep that they're just adding better graphics to well, now, did you do the Mario and Luigi series? That's all turn-based stuff. I love those games, yeah. too. Those games are fun. I don't know if the speed... It, it is a little bit quicker. I mean, like, Paper Mario... Everybody loves Paper Mario. Paper Mario's a little faster. Yeah, yeah Paper Mario's like, ooh... Everybody's like, ooh, Thousand Year Door is the is the best one. I'm like, no. Like, I actually... I like the, the Super Paper Mario one, or whatever the one on Wii, where you can, like... Where you can play and like, change both. your character or whatever it is, yeah, like it, like you can live attack people, but then you can also get in and do it. I and mean, everybody hates that game. I'm like, no, this one's the best one. I also like the first Paper Mario as well. Like that's that's my favorite out of like the trilogy of Paper Mario's. It's just I know people love it, and it's but it's just every single time I try one of these turn-based games, mm. I'm like, man, I wish this game had like an active battle function yeah. or a way that I could enjoy this story without just being like, okay, attack attack right defend and i understand like that's just that's how what people like people love that shit like i think our producer steven likes that stuff i think i recently tried a demo for two games on the steam next fest one was called the sea of stars which is this gorgeous pixel art turn-based game and i was like yo this game is amazing looking and then i got into combat and i was like but this is so boring to just attack skill special like i played through chain echoes but chain echoes was cool because it had like extra systems besides just the turn base if a game is just attack magic skill defend and there's nothing else to like really push it forward or do something different i just can't get into it and i, I think that's what super mario rpg is yeah so i i just couldn't get excited about that announcement personally i mean that could all it could also have been like a nostalgia thing because everybody everybody in that nintendo like realm has been asking loves old schools yeah has been like has been asking for like a remake or a sequel or like you know get gino and mallow into other games but because it's a square thing you know they couldn't technically do it and i think that's literally the reason why that they renamed the game even though it's just a remake it's not legend of the seven stars anymore i'm pretty sure square was like now we're gonna keep that just call it like you know the general rpg because we're going to do something else with that later on but i think because the relationship that they have now i mean christ the last what half decade the number of things that square has done with like nintendo to like bring games that have no reason to be on a nintendo like console like they're just bringing everything over now so like it's good in that sense but i don't know it's uh it's interesting. I mean, I'm gonna play it. I like. I love the first one, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna play the remake. I think the other announcement from here. Obviously, this is already out. But are you, or even our producer, are you any of you guys Pikmin guys? Because I've never cared about. This Ooh, series. I tried. I tried, and I tried I really hard. Know Pikmin existed until it came out on Smash. 
Oh, you're one of those. Hey, that's what Smash is for, though. It's it's the biggest museum in all gaming. You got you know you learn stuff. I did try. Um, I was really intrigued by Pikmin One. Played a lot of it. Didn't like fully grasp or understand like the reasoning behind it all. Like I you know get more Pikmin, fix your ship, and then the game's over. But I was like I was I think I was trying to search for like the the story or like the gaming concept of like what's the purpose of this and then I never played two or three, so I it just that's not really my kind of game. Talk about a slow game. What you describe for that for you, I get with Pikmin. I'm like okay, this is boring. Like I don't really understand and I don't want to play this. So. <laughs> yeah. No. I uh, I've tried demos. Pikmin. Mm-hmm. I've rented Pikmin. I think that that's just one of those series that I cannot get into. Um, and so that being the other big exclusive for Nintendo this um, year is just I'm not interested in that. So I could see right. how, you know, if you don't care about Pikmin and the fact that Pikmin one and two are coming to Switch, that that didn't land on you either. Yeah. Um, is there anything else from that Nintendo Direct you wanted to talk about? Well, the only other thing that I actually got excited about, but it, I, I was so. And it was like the first thing that they announced was that Sonic game. But I guess that was shown like in six other places, like four days prior, yeah. which I was unaware of because I was, I've just been doing so many other things. But I was like, oh, I'm like, this is uh, this looks like it'll be fun. I mean, I, you know, I like that it's, you know, co-op four players can do all that stuff. But it looks like more of a classic Sonic game where you, you get the speed and you get the environment. So that's kind of neat. But um. I don't understand, and I will stay, but stick by this is why, why they have to um, redo Amy Amy Rose's image. Like, why is she completely different than she was? And I I don't understand why they do that. They just they just do it and don't mention anything about it. But it's just a little nitpicky thing on my part. But gotta cater to the children. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's make her cute, but then like let her smack a friggin' hammer around constantly. That that'll. That'll get all the eight-year-olds <laughs> ready to play. Oh my god! I feel like that's another conversation we'll have to have another time. Is is the difference between two D Sonic and three D Sonic? Because man, mm. I tried Sonic Mania and I didn't. I couldn't get into it. I finished Sonic Frontiers. I didn't think it was a good video game, right? But I finished it and played through it. And I think that three D Sonic has more interesting ideas than two D Sonic does. But yeah, you know, it's true. That's probably a conversation for another time. To end every show. We basically want to bring a random gaming fact at the end of the show. Uh, just to conclude, say goodbye. So, Josh, do you have a random video game uh, fact for us today? I do. And I hope I hope that I can uh, kind of stump you with it because it's going to be a direct question to you, Nate. I recently found for a very prominent game that came out that two developers were asked to assist on developing the game and they were developers that aren't usually asked to assist in the making of this kind of game now the game is uh, this might give it away but i want to give you at least a little bit of a hint final fantasy 16 so what i found was that the two developers that were surprising was platinum games and i love a lot of platinum game stuff so i'm really happy that they were a part of this because they don't usually do that that kind of a thing. They're more like they're more psychedelic with their stuff. Um, they do different things. And then um, 
the Kingdom Hearts development team. Mm-hmm. They had a hand in uh, Final Fantasy 16, so they pretty much brought like the house. But I just thought that that was very interesting and uh, a little bit random because you know you don't usually hear about at least right when a game comes out who assisted in developing these big budget games. So Platinum Games and uh, Kingdom Hearts were involved with the making of Final Fantasy 16. It's super interesting. I mean, you can tell that like 16 was all hands on deck for Square. So, I mean, they obviously want this game to be a success. And so I really hope that if you take anything from this show today, you go out and just try the demo for yourself and see what you think. Because I think as the weeks go on, I'm going to have more and more to say about this game. And I think it's going to be gushing as opposed to just talking a little bit about it. I think it's going to get pretty good. No spoilers. Just because. No, I will not spoil. Don't worry. I will never spoil on this show. Don't you worry about that. Unless uh, oh, yeah. Stephen forgets to uh, to uh, edit yeah. it out on us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that'll do it for the first, you know, maiden voyage of the Inquisitive Players Podcast. IPP. Uh, Josh, is there anything you want to say to the listeners? No, just uh, you know, uh, we're gonna keep coming back. We're gonna keep talking because we love video games and. Uh, Yeah, stay tuned. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to get into some some crazy topics, I think. Uh, I, I'm very excited for this conversation about the open world games, you know, speaking of, you know, Tears of Kingdom and Elden Ring and stuff. And so that'll be a lot of fun. Make sure you like, subscribe. Make sure you check out Josh's Twitch stream. It's been a pleasure to talk to you about video games. Can't wait to see you next week. Have a good one.